Hello, and welcome to The Context. My name is Scott Pruitt, and I'm an anchor with News China. With our podcast, we aim to provide insight into the current trends of modern China, allowing you to clearly see what's happening today through a historical lens. Today, we'll talk about a 16th century medical expert who dedicated 30 years of his life to correcting, standardizing, and expanding the practice of herbal medicine in China by writing a medical masterpiece that is still celebrated to this day. May 26th to 28th, the 30th Li Shijun Chinese Herbal Medicine Fair was held in Qichun County of central China's Hubei province. The event featured dozens of activities including a cultural festival and their traditional Chinese Medicine Inheritance and Development Summit. The fair is named after Li Shijun, a famous medical expert and pharmacist of the Ming Dynasty who lived from 1518 to 1593 and the compendium of Materia Medica that he wrote is the result of 30 years of dedicated research. A special edition of the compendium was published during the fair to commemorate the 505th birth anniversary of the father of traditional Chinese medicine. Li Shijun was born into a family of medical practitioners in Qichun County where the annual fair is held, his grandfather was a so-called bell doctor who walked the streets ringing a bell to announce his arrival and he would hand out prescriptions according to customers' requests. His father was highly skilled in medicine and was well known throughout the county. But in those days, the status of private doctors was very low and the Lee family was treated poorly by local officials and the landed gentry. And since Li Shijun was a second son, his father set him out on a different path preparing for the imperial exam. As it happened, Li Shijun had been a weak and sickly child, but his character was straightforward and pure. Over time, however, he grew weary of writing empty and tedious essays for the exam, and in 1540, at the age of 22, and after failing the exam for the third time, he gave up on studying literature in favor of joining the family business. His father eventually agreed and carefully taught him the art of medicine. In the same year, the Chiha River in his hometown broke its banks. The flood inundated the county, causing a widespread epidemic. As a young man witnessing the displacement of people and the numerous families impacted by the disaster, he could not passively observe. He had to take action. He picked up a medical bag and rushed out to help anyone he could. Shortly afterwards, Li made a name for himself in the region, not only for his superb medical skills, but also for his noble medical ethics. Gradually, many amazing stories about him emerged. For example, one day, Li met a group of people carrying a coffin for a funeral. A young woman had died as a result of a difficult labor, and the coffin was leaking blood. But as Li went up to take a closer look, he saw that the blood was fresh. So he stopped the funeral procession and claimed that the person inside must still be alive. Naturally, the grieving family did not immediately believe him, 
Plus, it is considered a terrible offense to open any coffin once it has been sealed. But Lee Shirjun implored the family to reconsider, and finally they agreed to let him have a look. He first carried out a careful examination, and then stabbed a needle in the woman's heart. Shortly after, the woman sighed and woke up. Even more miraculously, after Lee's treatment, the woman successfully gave birth to a son. Justifiably, the family members as well as a crowd of observers were stupefied, and Lee shot to fame overnight. Later, in 1551, the king of Chu in Wuchang of Hubei province heard of Li's superb medical skills and hired him as a royal physician, also putting him in charge of the medical institute, a medical treatment facility set up in the feudal palace during the Ming dynasty exclusively for the royal family. One day, the son of the king of Chu suddenly fainted and became unconscious, and Li Shijun was credited with saving him. A few years later, the King of Chu recommended that Li serve at the Imperial Hospital in the capital. During his tenure at the Imperial Hospital, Li studied the royal medical books day and night. Eventually, he found a plethora of mistakes within the ancient classical pharmacology works. For example, many toxic ingredients such as mercury were thought to prolong life, and their continued use had caused an endless series of disasters. He proposed that the Imperial Hospital revise the pharmacology books. But his lone voice did not get enough attention at that time, as many quack scientists dominated the medical practices. So Lee put his early studies of literature to good use and decided to write a medical book by himself. In 1557, filled with resentment and disappointment, Lee resigned his post at the Imperial Hospital and returned to his hometown in Chichun County. While practicing medicine there, he began in earnest to collect his own data. In order to complete his medical work, Lee read more than 800 medical books and numerous books on history, geography, and literary masterpieces. He even studied the complete works of many ancient poets, extracting a surprising number of verses about medicine. These verses gave him a lot of practical knowledge about medicine and helped him correct some fallacies by his predecessors in pharmacology. In the process of writing the pharmacological work, the greatest headache for Lee was the widespread mixed use of drug names. He realized that reading 10,000 books is certainly necessary, but traveling 10,000 miles is even more important, so he began to conduct in-depth field research. In 1565, Lee Shijun famously put on his straw shoes, threw his medical bag over his shoulder, and traveled far and wide into the mountains and wilderness, visiting famous doctors and scholars and searching for folk remedies. He observed the successful practices of others and collected drug specimens, all while being accompanied by his disciple Pang Xian and his son Li Jinyuan. His footsteps covered the provinces of Hunan, Jiangxi, Anhui, Jiangsu, and many other places. And every place that Li went, he talked with all kinds of people, including herb pickers, farmers, fishermen, woodcutters, hunters, and they helped Li understand various kinds of medicines. For example, Yun Moss was the term commonly used for a medicine to cure diseases, and the plant was described in many medical books, but exactly what plant it was remained a mystery. In previous pharmacological writings, it was not clearly defined, but under the guidance of an elderly man who grew vegetables, Lee learned that it is nothing more than oilseed rape. Thus, in his Materia Medica, Lee made sure this plant was clearly noted. Also at that time, a Taoist temple in the Wudong Mountains 
abounded in a certain kind of plum. The Taoist priests believed that by eating the fruit, one could become immortal, so they picked the plums every year for the emperor and banned others from picking. Of course, Li did not believe such nonsense, so he stole one. And after some research, he found that its efficacy is the same as other ordinary fruits such as peaches and apricots, and there was nothing special about it. Another item commonly used in traditional Chinese medicine is known today as pangolin. An ancient medical scientist in the 16th century described the pangolin as an amphibious creature that climbs onto rocks during the day, opens its scaled armor, and pretends to be dead to lure ants into the armor. Then it will close the armor and dive into the water where it opens its armor to let the ants float to the surface before devouring them. In order to verify whether the statement was correct, Li Shijun caught a pangolin with the help of woodcutters and hunters and cut out about one kilogram of ants from its stomach, thus confirming that the pangolin does indeed eat ants. However, what he found was what we all know to be true today, that when a pangolin eats ants, it simply digs into an anthill to lap up the swarming insects rather than luring them inside through some fantastical subterfuge. In this way, Lee painstakingly completed the first draft of his pharmacological masterpiece named Bensal Gangmu, or The Compendium of Materia Medica, in 1578, after more than a decade of field investigation. He revised the work at least three times, right up until his death in 1593. Three years later, The Compendium of Materia Medica was officially published in Nanjing of Jiangsu Province. The compendium boasts 1.9 million words, 52 volumes, 1,892 kinds of drugs, 374 of which were previously undocumented, 1,192 illustrations, 1,109 drawings, and more than 11,000 prescriptions, making it an unprecedented masterpiece of Chinese pharmacology. It absorbed the essence of pharmacological works of past generations, corrected previous mistakes as much as possible, supplemented deficiencies, and made many important discoveries and breakthroughs. It encompasses natural sciences such as medicine, botany, zoology, mineralogy, geology, chemistry, and physics, as well as social sciences such as history, philosophy, and folklore, making it a great source of inspiration for future generations. For example, it records that Artemisia annua, Bitter and cold in odor, non-toxic, is used to treat malaria and cold fever. In October 2015, Tu Yo-Yo was awarded the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine for her discovery of artemisinin and dihydroartemisinin to treat malaria, becoming the first Chinese person to win a Nobel Prize in the science category. Due to the limitations of that historical era and the level of science and technology at that time, it stands to reason that the Materia Medica has some shortcomings and deficiencies. For example, what is recorded about the form and origin of some drugs is sometimes oversimplified, and the illustrations are roughly drawn. There are also some inaccuracies and superstitions in the book, such as saying that fireflies are made from the roots of plants that decay. But these deficiencies by no means undermine the overall value of the book. Since its first publication in 1596, the Compendium of Materia Medica has received worldwide attention for its scientific and practical nature, and has gradually spread around the world. In 1606, 
A compilation of the book was published in Korea and received the attention of the royal family, which led to the development of TCM in Korea. Charles Darwin, the British naturalist and author of On the Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection, published in 1859, acknowledged the book as an ancient Chinese encyclopedia. Joseph Needham, another British historian of natural sciences, evaluated the book in the first volume of his History of Science and Civilization in China, saying that, undoubtedly, the greatest scientific achievement of the Ming was the culminating work of the Bunzhao Compendium series. Since its inception, the work has been translated into more than a hundred languages, making it the most translated Chinese medical monograph ever published. Nowadays, we can still see the first printed editions displayed in museums in Japan, South Korea, England, France, Germany, etc., where they are preserved as world-class cultural treasures. In the conference of the World Peace Council held in Vienna in 1951, Li Shijun was unanimously honored as an eminent cultural figure of the world, and in 2011, the Materia Medica was selected as a UNESCO Memory of the World Register and became a world cultural heritage. On May 28, 2017, the Belt and Road International Conference for Services Trade of Traditional Chinese Medicine was held in Beijing to commemorate the 500th anniversary of Li Shijun's birth, where Chinese medicine researchers, diplomatic envoys, sinologists, and medical scholars from China and abroad exchanged and discussed the traditional cultural connotations of Chinese medicine. Today, there are a growing number of international exchanges centering on Li Shijun and the Materia Medica, and many people around the world can still find the wisdom of human development in this ancient Oriental classic. Well, that's the end of our podcast. Our theme music is by the famous film score composer Rock Chun. We want to thank our writer Yu Wei Tao, translator Yang Guang, and copyist And thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed it, and if you did, please tell a friend so they too can understand the context. <laughs>